Hello, and welcome back to the Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we're talking right now about DCS, which is a new language and tool that I'm working on for practical strong functional programming. Strong functional programming, also called total programming, means that your compiler or your type checker is going to make sure that all the programs you write are terminating on all inputs. And for DCS, the vision is to have this for just the core language, so just a core part of the language, similar to the way Haskell enforces purity, but just for the core language, and then impure computations are written in the I.O. monad. And so in DCS, um, this is not implemented yet, but the plan is to have some kind of like div monad or something like that for um, divergence or gen for general recursion or something like this that's outside the core and that where you, which you can then use to write um, programs that can't fit into the terminating core part of the language. Um, today, I want to tell you about um, a couple of examples in DCS uh, that are kind of interesting, some, somewhat challenging cases. And those two examples are Harper's regular expression matcher and Bird's Quickmin uh, algorithm. So I'm going to tell you about those. Um, whether I'll get to talking about how DCS handles them today or if that's another episode, I'm not sure yet. So um, Harper's regular expression matcher is due to Bob Harper. There's a 1999 Journal of Functional Programming paper called Proof-Directed Debugging. And in this paper, Harper has um, proposes a continuation-based regular expression matcher. So we're going to match a regular expression against a string, but it, it will use a success continuation so that when uh, you succeed in matching the next input character against a regular expression demanding that character, then you will call a continuation to continue processing the suffix, the rest of the string that comes after that character. And uh, Harper wrote his paper, I mean, the title of the paper is called Proof-Directed Debugging because as he was trying to prove inductively that this was correct, um, he discovered a, an error, uh, and it was a termination problem, which makes it very interesting for a language like DCS that's trying to have, uh, it, you know, give static enforcement of termination. So, uh, yes. So the, yeah, the way the algorithm works is there's sort of two recursions that are happening that are, there's a mutual recursion. That, so one function is going to dig through the string, taking off an element, um, the, the next character. And then another function is going to dig through the regular expression part. So uh, looking, you know, digging through the regular expression to find a regular expression that it demands that the current character we're looking at is in fact a particular one. And that's where we, we check that the character matches or doesn't match. If it doesn't match, we just return false. And if it does match, we call this continuation. So um, the, the, recurse, the part that's recursing to the regular expression takes in this continuation to use. And actually, the, the part that's recursing through the string also takes in the continuation. And what makes this tricky is that uh, we are going to make recursive calls uh, inside this continuation. So that is, you know, you're going you're gonna to create, a, in different cases of the code, you update the continuation to be some new function, right? The continuation is a function. So it takes in a, an input. In this case, it's going to take in the suffix of the string that's been found, and it's going to um, try to do a match call on that suffix using either the outer match function that's recursing over the string or the inner one that's recursing over the regular expression. But in either case, we have recursive calls happening inside continuations on variables that are coming into those continuations. So this is definitely not structurally terminating. Um, 
the the inner the inner match call uh, is decomposing the regular expression, but the outer match call. So that actually is a structural termination. But the outer match call, you're going to call that outer matcher um, inside this continuation, and so that a structural termination checker cannot tell that that's terminating. Um, and so that's uh, that's the first example. The second example is um, known as Quickman. It's uh, due to Richard Bird, who passed away not so very long ago, and was really a giant in the field of um, functional programming. And um, he has a book called Pearls of Functional Algorithm Design, which should be on everybody's wish list for their next uh, celebration. It's a, it's a um, truly amazing book, bringing together lots of interesting computer science you would not have known, and looking at it all from the lens of um, clever Haskell programming. Very clever. So the Quickman problem is that you are given a list of distinct natural numbers. So duplicates are not, not allowed. And you're supposed to find the smallest number that's not in that list. So if the list were, say, 0, 5, 2, 1, then the, the algorithm is supposed to return 3 because that's the smallest number that wasn't in that list. And you say, well, that's, this is really not a challenge problem at all. Just sort the list. So uh, whatever it was I said, 0, 2, 1, 5 or something, just sort that to have 0, 1, 2, 5. And you would see, oh, look, there's this gap between 2 and 5. And I just picked the first number in that gap. So it's 3. Um, but the, what makes this problem fun and interesting is there's a, another requirement which is that you can only use a linear time function to solve the problem. Can't use an n log n sorting algorithm as part of your solution with comparison-based sorting. So uh, that makes it interesting. And the solution is very clever. So uh, the reason it's called Quickman is it works a little bit like quicksort. So here's how it works. We'll generalize a little bit from saying, um, you know, when you, you're, you're sort of starting, we're going to say we're going to find the least number, um, assuming that our numbers, the set of numbers, the list of numbers we're considering is bounded below by some a. Okay, so we really have a function um, in Bird's chapter there. He calls it min from. So we're going to take min from a x's. That means that x's is assumed to be bounded below by a, and we're supposed to find the least free number in x's. So we know that that least free number um, has to be uh, greater than or equal to a. So uh, what, the, what the algorithm does is it says, it, it looks at this list axis, and it's going to split it. And it splits it by um, partitioning. Uh, so it's going, to take, it's going to take a particular value b, and it's going to take all the values from the input x's that are less than b and put them in one list, and all the values that are greater than or equal to b and put them in the other list. Okay, so you're just doing a partition just the way you would do in quicksort. Quicksort also partitions. If you're doing pure functional quicksort, which is sort of a silly thing to do, but if you were doing that, you'd do the same thing. You partition your list into the um, the parts that are less than and the parts that are greater than uh, the the pivot. But here, you don't use a particular element as a pivot. This is the cl clever part. You say, well, if I have this list x's and a is a lower bound, then if a if my list x's were just full of all the numbers a on up um, without any gaps, right, then 
um, sort of taking the length of my list, dividing by two and adding one, um, that should be basically the midpoint of that list. Okay, so if I take A, the mid, the mid value, the expected middle value of the list, if the list were going to be um, all the numbers. So I take my pivot that I'm going to use for this partition is going to be some B, which is A plus the length of the list over two plus one. So length of the list over two plus one is pretty much the middle of the list. And then add A, because we're sort of starting, our list starts off with A. Um, we're assuming all the values are greater than or equal to A. So, um, so you do this partition, and now you have the a two lists, let's call them U's and V's, which is what Birdie has for those. And everything in U's is less than this B, so it's less than the expected middle value. And everything in V's is greater than or equal to that. Now, um, imagine that use the first list, is all full. It's totally full. In other words, if you just look at its length, the length is um, has got uh, all the elements that uh, from the, that first half of the list. So the length should be B minus A. In other words, the length of the original list over 2 plus 1. Um, so uh, if it is all full, well, that means all the numbers are being used. So you can't find a free number in U's because all the numbers are that from A on up to A plus N over 2 plus 1 or whatever are there. And so that means you can recurse on V's, the second list. On the other hand, if U's is not that long, if U's is shorter than expected, that means there must be a free number in there and you recurse on that. And so at each point, you're dropping off um, uh, a big chunk of the list. Now, to be honest, I didn't refresh my memory of what the argument is that we, in, in general, are going to be chop, chop, chopping the list uh, equivalently to chopping it in half. Because this split might not be an equal split at every point. You might not literally split the, the, the input list into t equal size U's and V's. But Bird does argue that you're going to, um, in effect, end up splitting it in, in half overall each time. And so that would be sort of like, like adding, you know, N plus N over 2 plus N over 4 and so forth, which tends to just, um, you know, 2 times N. So it's a linear time algorithm. Um, very clever. Very clever. It doesn't work if there are duplicates. Um, but if there are no duplicates, we're counting on this property that if my if I partition and my list is, is the expected size, then all the numbers are there. If there could be duplicates, I could partition, my list could be the expected size, but there are, all the numbers might not be there because there might be some duplicates. Okay, so that's Quickman. So that's Harper's regular expression matcher and Quickman in as good of a nutshell as I can convey just by talking. <laughs> I hope you got something out of that explanation. Now, let's talk about how to do these in DCS. So, uh, um, Harper's regular expression matcher in DCS um, doesn't actually need really DCS's special tricks. Uh, so, we, I have implementations of both these in DCS, so we can, they're statically checked for termination. Remember that termination was an issue for Harper's master, and that's why he titled his paper Proof Directed Debugging, because it wasn't terminating, and he found a bug when he tried to show it was. Uh, and as far as Quickman goes, um, I'm not aware of any you know, machine check proof that it's terminating. Uh, and writing such a proof would be somewhat tricky, because basically you need to argue when you make these recursive calls that the lists are smaller 
the use is smaller if you're a curse on that and V's is smaller if you're a curse on that. And this does, this is going to need to take into account um, this point about uh, if you have distinct numbers, then if your list is big enough, um, all the numbers must be there. Uh, so um, otherwise it'd be possible to um, you can get some degenerate case where it's go where you can actually loop, and in fact, if you run Bird's Quickman algorithm on the list of all zeros, like say it's five or six zeros or whatever, it just loops, so it's not terminating that case. Um, so to put into DCS, to put Harper's match into DCS, is actually um, pretty straightforward. DCS doesn't support mutual recursion, but we don't need to because thanks to Mendler style recursion, the DCS does support. Um, the, the inner matching function, the one that recurses on the regular expression, can just take the outer matching function as an extra argument and just call it where it needs to. This is something that would be um, quite impossible in usual type theories, but in DCS, because the termination is based on the typing, it doesn't matter where you, make your, where you call your recursive function and where you pass it. It's all totally fine because DCS isn't looking to make sure your function is only called on structurally smaller arguments. It's just saying, as long as you call it on something that has the proper type, then DCS thinks it's fine. And um, so in this case, there is a DCS subtlety, which is that um, the continuation, uh, so we're going to have um, the outer recursion peels off a character and then has a recursible tail. In other words, this is sort of new DCS lingo to mean when, when DCS, when you're recursing on things, you get the, the things that you could recurse on come at some abstract type R. So here the tail would be an abstract type R, or if we want to say it a little more simply, we can just say we have a recursible tail. Somebody, the outer recursion is allowed to recurse on that tail. And um, uh, we're going um, to pass that tail into the inner recursion, and we're going to insist that the continuation we pass takes in, uh, takes in such an R. It takes in a recursible input. So that's kind of how we use types to make sure that no matter how the, the, um, the recursive call to the outer matcher is happening, it can only be a legal call because it can only happen on a recursible value. So rather than tracking, as uh, people in the literature have done, using dependently typed continuations to make sure that the size of the, of the suffix, the length of that suffix, is less than the length of the list we started with, um, uh, instead, DCS just insists that the continuation takes a recursible value, where that just means it takes in something of type R. So the inner matcher is polymorphic for any type R you want. If you give it a function that's the outer matcher, that wants an R, and if you give it a continuation uh, that wants an R, then you can put all these pieces together and uh, in a type correct way, and that's enough to ensure termination because we'll only call these functions with uh, with values of type R. Um, so that's kind of in a in a high, somewhat high level how the how Harper's matcher works. Now the case for Quickman is actually more a little more interesting from a DCS perspective. Because the Quickman algorithm said, take that input list and partition it. Now, and then we're going to recurse on the results of the partition. Now, you might think, oh, that's some sort of like merge sort that you told us about. You start with a list, you split it into two, and you recurse. What's the problem? Well, the problem is that with merge sort, we started with the tail of the lists. We started with 
um, the recursible tail, and we split that into two things. Splitting a recursible list into a pair of recursible lists is totally easy in DCS. It's no big deal at all. But in Quickman, we don't do that. We don't split the recursible tail. We split the whole list. So we're given input Xs. We don't get to pull off a head character and then look at a recursible tail. We're just supposed to partition that whole list. And so this is the tricky bit. And um, so we have to partition. We have to write a recursibility-preserving partition function that is not given a recursible input. Well, it's given a recursible list, but it's given an extra element that it has to somehow find what to do with. That extra element is the head of the list we started with. So in, in Quickman, we're going to um, pull off a head and then have a recursible tail. And now we need to partition that recursible tail, but we need to put the extra element in as we go. And so this is tricky. And what it happens is um, where if you were trying to do this with explicit termination proofs, you'd have a kind of somewhat tricky proof to do to prove that the U's and V's lists that I was telling you about are smaller than the input list. Here, there's no proofs because DCS is not a theorem-proving language. There's no proofs at all. There's just typing. But you have to write your partition function in a way that respects typing and that will show at the end that you have some recursible uh, lists you know, like when you do this partition, you're supposed to get recursible lists back so that the outer Quickman recursion can recurse on them. And there is a way to do this. And here's what you do. Basically, we need to have a finer grained analysis of what partition does. So normally, partition, it just returns a pair of lists. That's too crude here. We have to handle some cases explicitly. So it could happen that partition returns a pair of recursible lists, but there are some other cases too. Basically, they're based on um, the relationship between the list we're supposed to partition, right? So we have three things to this partition function. The list of partition, the bound, where you're sort of trying to split the list by the bound, and an extra element that has to get stuck in there. We're going to try to squeeze it in as we go. Because if we did split the list in half, like say you ended up splitting the list in half, and you had two equal pieces that are half the size of the original. Well, with DCS's approach to divide and conquer programming, it'd be no problem to squeeze in an extra element because... These lists are so much smaller than the starting list, you can just stick one in there. You can stick an extra element, and it would still be recursible. Not because DCS is counting sizes of lists, but because DCS is using types, and it's letting you, um, you know, each recursion has abstract types A and P. I'm sorry, R and P. R for this recursion, and P for some imagined parent recursion. And you're allowed to turn a, um, a list of A's where the tail has, is abstracted to type R, you're allowed to turn that into a P. And so you can cons, you can do conses inside recursions, but you just have to promote the value up to this type P that the um, parent recursion is using to recurse. And so the, the cases, so basically, um, it could happen though, that it would be hard to fit our extra element in because what if you do a partition and everything's to the left? Like the whole list X's is to the left. Well, you can't recurse on, it would not be recursible to cons an extra element onto that list because only that list is recursible and um, sticking an element on top of a recursible list might not be recursible anymore, right? Because it might go too big. Maybe it's the list you started with. Uh, so what has to happen is the code for partition has different cases. It returns not just a, a pair of lists, but it has... Um, returns something in a particular data type with different options for what the different cases are. So one case is when 
the list you're trying to split, the entire list is less than the bound. And there's actually a subcase of that. Is my entire list less than the bound? And is this extra element I'm trying to squeeze in, is that less than the bound or not? The, the partition function is going to return different value to tell it to signal that that's what's happening. And when it returns the, when it says the whole list is less than the bound, that list of returns is still recursible. And when it, in that situation, when it says, oh, there's, um, there's this extra element that was, say, less than the bound, well, it just can't put that extra element in there. It just has, it's just implicit information that, yeah, the extra element is less than the bound. Or if the extra element's bigger than the bound, then you can return a little bitty recursible list. Like I've got some non-empty list of things that are less than the bound, and I have this extra element that's bigger than the bound. Great, I can put that extra element in its own little singleton list, and that would be a recursible list. So, um, because we're in a case where we're considering a con, so putting another cons there, um, it's going to, um, because I have this list AR subtype of P business, that's going to still be recursible. Um, anyway, so that's about all I want to try to summarize about QuickMan. And um, it's actually interesting doing this example, you see that actually, so Bird's original code will um, diverge if you have duplicates in the list, but if you make a tiny change, if you don't insist that the length of u is equal to b minus a, that is the length of u is equal to half the list, but if you say the length of u is greater than or equal to half the length of the original list, then it won't, term, it won't diverge anymore. It'll still give you the wrong answer. I mean, you know, the pro problem specification says you may assume there's no duplicates. And if there are duplicates, the, the algorithm will give you the wrong answer. But with that tiny tweak, just checking a greater than or equal instead of just a strict equality, then the algorithm does terminate. And interestingly, you know, so that little tweak um, one can see that I, I came to see that little tweak by thinking about the how is it that the DCS version is going to avoid non-termination in the case where we have duplicates because it will it won't if you give it a duplicate list it will not diverge it will give you the same wrong answer that this modified version of of Bert's Quickman will give you anyway um, I hope it wasn't too much of a um, flood of this code description here. Hope you could get something out of that. And you can check out the DCS repo to see this code for yourself. These functions are small. We're talking about Harper's match, which is just two functions. Each one is like 15 or 20 lines or so. One of them is a little longer when it's shorter. Quickman is a little longer because of all these cases. You basically have six cases. The partition could return six different cases. Empty, split that incorporated the extra element, and then some saying that, oh, the list is less than or the list is greater than the bounds, all, all, everything in the list. And whether we have extra element less than or greater than the bound as well. So we end up getting six cases. That means the code is a little more verbose, which is kind of, you know, you can decide. Would you rather not even care that that terminates? Would you rather write a proof to prove it terminates? Or do you want to use this method? Well, this method is is just different. And I think that, that makes it interesting. All right. I need to stop now. My commute back to home is done. Thank you for listening. And do check out DCS. Um, you can, even if you don't want to install tools and stuff, you can see the code for this on the GitLab repo, which I'll link in the show notes. Take care.